Peltero Pickle, episode 87. We do a quick MLB roundup. Ryan McCarty is the best hitter on the planet. Evan Longoria talks about coaching. We get some basketball news. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 87. We're creeping up on 100. A reminder, as always, get in touch with us via email, pickle at pelotero.com, or tweet at us, at Pelotero Pickle. We love getting all the questions and feedback. As always, we're just completely overwhelmed with messages all the time. Seriously, though, send us messages. Engagement's good. We want to help. Joining me, as always, is Chris Calabello. I'm Bobby Tewksbury. I never introduced myself. Realize that as well. If you're a friend of the program, you know our intros suck. Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, but our outros are awesome. That's just because, you know, I do them, basically. So that's winning. I'm excellent, as always, because when I'm good, I'm fine. And when I'm bad, I'm fine. I don't care how you're doing. Let's start the, let's start the show. Okay. Uh, first of all, I want to... We always talk about hair. You got a haircut, looking sharp. Went hard part for first time ever. Hard part. Uh, I don't know, maybe. But I, Has, I have you ever had a line shaved in your head before like that? Eighth grade, I used to get the three lines. I was the major or general or lieutenant or whatever it was. Um, like the on the side three lines. So I have a. There's a. I'm a very untrustworthy hair cutterizer. Hair. Hair cuttery. Um, I've now crossed the threshold with the guy who's been cutting my hair of full faith and trust in him because he's new. This was haircut number four for him. And with uh, you? Yes. Not, I not cut my own hair. Yeah, I cut my own hair for the better part of 2020 and 2021. I went through stretches where I think getting your hair cut is annoying because the idea of having to go make an appointment or wait for somebody to cut your hair, it just takes too much time out of your life. So my solution to that was figure out how to cut my own hair, which is easy for me because I have a long head, thin head that fade for me is basically one length into a blended thick ass hair that's on top of my head so it's not hard for me to give myself a pseudo fade but professional haircuts are good when you find the right guy I, I just have a problem learning to trust so he's now crossed that threshold and he has the keys to the kingdom he can do whatever he wants I told him I said now you can do whatever you want so you cut my hair and don't even tell me what you're doing ready go and that's it that's how this ended up like this that's big I I transitioned to uh home haircuts during pandemic, so I haven't I don't have a place in Texas that I trust. Haven't found it. <clears throat> There's a place called the Fade Box that some of the guys go to. But I don't I don't have time for that. <laughs> they do a good job. I just haven't found myself there yet. I don't know if it's profiling or not or it's probably racist, but I I've have a profile of a, a guy that can cut my hair. When I got my hair cut for my wedding, my you know the the wedding party you guys were. You got uh, haircut same day of your wedding. Same day, yeah. Super you got, risky, and it was at a yeah. But I I again, 
I have a, a I have a, a look that fulfills the criteria for me for cutting my hair. It's like saying you like getting Chinese food from a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, whatever you want to call it, it is what it is. It's just that's what I do. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's jump into it. We're gonna do a quick MLB roundup. The this segment's gonna be called Who's Doing Well and Who Stinks? Joey Gallo's out. Out of where? Out the of the Bronx? Did no, he really? He got hurt. He got hurt. Okay. Um, I Cano got designated today. Yeah, Robinson they were talking Cano. about it last night. The Mets trending just, on Twitter. The Mets were just like, hey, 40 million bucks? Whatever. Stevie no just deal. cut the check. He didn't care. He's, he's over he's it. He probably paid it up front. <laughs> Can you imagine just, just opening up the wallet and peeling out 40 million and being like, yeah, I'd rather you not be here. Take this and go away. That's a lot. I think that guy's probably still got a lot left in the that's tank. That's like but... the, but that's like the, the Oakland A's entire team's salary. Yeah. It, it, all right. So the Mets are good, which I assume they would be. Yeah, Buck they're they're on the who's good. They're on the yeah. who's good who's good list. I tweeted back at Adam Jones the other day because he was writing how Buck Walter and would be a good addition and it's crazy when you put clubhouse baseball guys who understand chemistry and winning culture and things like that and scherzer is obviously a bulldog who could really take a staff that really didn't have a distinct leader so to say degrom probably was but very quietly and not on the field all the time uh, for guys like carrasco and uh, whoever else is there still. I can't even remember. Who's in who's their rotation otherwise? Stroman uh, was there last year. He's obviously not there this year. Uh, guys, this year, um, what's his name? Um, yeah, I can't even name the rotation anymore. Bassett? The, yeah, uh, yeah, Chris Bassett, who was talking about people getting plunked in the head, and he's right. Yep. Major League Baseball is a bunch of idiots for not allowing sticky stuff on the ball. Um, so guys are getting hit in the head because the ball slips out of their hand. Weird. Um, and also, I have a hard time with that whole concept, not to go off the rails here, but if you put, if you're sweaty or if you have the right mixture of sweat and salt in your sweat and you put rosin on, it gets sticky. It'll feel sticky. So how do you distinguish between rosin bagging and pine tar or some other sticky substance when you're checking the pitcher when he comes off the mound? Still don't know what the uh, what company is in charge of rosin this year. There's one company doing rosin for the entire league. Yeah, it's got to be Tyrus. That's it's always Tyrus. Rock rosin's pretty sticky. If you yeah. if you throw it in a bag and you clap it on your hand, you're gonna get some stickiness. Yeah, and there's still a rosin bag on the mound, so there's some tack coming from somewhere. But the whole point is just let pitchers put sticky stuff on their hands so they can throw the ball where they want to. Cause oh weird, nobody's using sticky stuff in the league still sucks at hitting, so Yeah. They do. It's like the about? lowest batting average oh, in a long time. Weird. I was proven right again. 
Duh. All right. Just get better Yankees. at hitting. Get better Yankees, at hitting. Good. Toronto, good. Tampa but, Bay, less good. Red Sox underperforming right now. Are they but, underperforming or are they not good? Which one is it? Uh, it feels like they're underperforming based on how people are talking about them. That guy, that's, that guy, Alexander Bogrates can hit, though. He's very good. Uh, J.D. Martinez hit a grand slam yesterday, so that's good. Down 9 nothing. four-run homer. Baltimore put their fence in left field. Two, they overcorrected. They went too far. It's like 398 with a 14-foot wall. Just, like, move it to, like, 370 instead of 340 with a tiny wall. Why are dimensions on baseball fields not standardized? I like that they're not standardized. Yeah, but why? Shouldn't you have to be like, fulfill some criteria? Is it normal for Wake Forest to have a 304-foot wall in right field and for Fino Field and Milford to be 432 in the right center field gap? What, what are we doing? There should be maybe some minimum requirements for distance. I just think you should have to be in a threshold at checkpoints, period. Left field line, left center, center field, right center field, right field line. Have a 15-foot buffer, and then do whatever you want. I don't care. I just think 398. It was like they made a big deal because somebody hit the first homer over what they call it, Mount Camden or something. It's way too far. It's way too high. It's the, the, the wall before was not far enough, and now they've they overcompensated. They went too far. And it's weird, too, because it like bumps out with the bullpen there. Anyway, uh, Minnesota Twins, Byron Buxton's team in first place. White Sox underperforming right now. They're 8-13. and th- 13. What is that all about? That whole division kind of stinks right now. Only one team's above 500. Angels, Anaheim Angels, LA Angels, not Anaheim anymore. First place, 15-8. and eight. Good job. Seattle, second place. Houston, 500. Uh, Texas, I feel like, is underperforming. They're 8-14 and 14 right now. They made a lot of signings. Uh, Semyon's off to a very slow start. Underperforming. Any thoughts about West? Uh, no. Julio Rodriguez hit a homer. He so did. that happened. I, it, the first 25 games of the season mean so little to me that I don't even know any of the things you're saying. All I know is that the Yankees... Probably the first day of the year and the second day of the year, Yankees fans were ready to run them out of town. Garrett Cole was done. Oh, my God, we stink. And then they just ran off nine in a row, and Cole's nasty. Weird. Baseball's a funny sport. Just let it play itself out, guys. Come on. Come on. Do you think it's good for baseball when the New York teams are playing well? Sure. Um, I think diversity and change and who's at the top is always good but i also think when a team like the yankees who hasn't won a world series in a while has a chance to win a world series because they're a major market and they're gonna attract national global following um yeah i mean probably better than if the red sox were good look i think i think a team that spends money significantly winning is good for the game in all facets just because like players need to get paid you just said the oakland a's have a 
uh, payroll, it's literally probably $46 million, if I had to guess. Um, and nobody knows anybody on their team. I, I have so little interest in watching an Oakland A's game that it's scary. I, like, I could not care less about a baseball team than the Oakland A's. Oh, wait, the Miami Marlins probably. And they're actually pretty good. You got oh, a lot of pitchers. They're on, they're on the overperforming list. Where'd my, yeah. where'd my standings go? They're actually so, good. They can pitch. NL East, not going according to plan. The Nationals are in last, which was – that was obvious. According to plan. Uh, yeah. Well, it was either them or Miami. Miami's playing well right now. Their pitching is is, is doing a nice job. Uh, the Mets are in first. Philly and Atlanta both under 500 right now. Super early for for them. Run differential, nothing crazy. They're not they're not dialed in yet. Uh, Central Milwaukee decided to figure out how to play baseball, so they're in first place. Cardinals in second. The rest of that division is a dumpster fire. Uh, Cincinnati leading the league and being bad. Three leading and, the league and not caring about their team. Three and nineteen. And uh, there was some quote their own, their owner said something to the effect of like, "Where else are you gonna go?" And the fans were like, "We're, we're just not gonna come. We're just yeah." We're just going to give well, up on baseball. When you sign Tommy Pham and his line to the world is, yeah, I'm only coming here for my numbers, and that's all that matters, probably not creating great clubhouse culture. Not probably the not. best, anyway. Uh, Votto's off to a really rough start. I saw a video of him in spring training, and last year he went, so he there's like, he went out to TPI, got all the measurements done. They're like, hey, if you want to try to hit more homers, try to hit more homers. And then he did that, and he hit a bunch of homers. So he was like, yeah, confirmation bias. Let me get some momentum going. Let me swing the bat with uh, with some momentum and really get this thing going. And he hit like 10 homers in a row or something like that. Like, remember like when he got like super hot last year? Yeah. Yeah. So now he's like – he like really went in on that. And he's like way out front, crashing the front side, not creating any resistance – from the swings that I've seen, even he sold, I think he went too far. I think he went too far. He needs to put, if you add momentum to really good actions, there's like a fine line. If you go too far, then you lose control and then you're susceptible to off speed pitches and then the wheels fall off. I think he needs to go back to being, stay back, good. Joey. Go yeah. just be, stay back, Joey. Stay back, Joe. Uh, he, maybe he needs to quit social media too because he joined all social media platforms and he makes a ton of videos maybe he was doing that before and just wasn't sharing them he's a weird cat i love him for it his social stuff is crazy and it's just joey it's being joey but so here's a perfect but example they're three and 19 so it's not a good look here's a perfect guy, example of a guy who's really smart super bright dude uh quirky if you want to call him that but i think just very intelligent. Uh, I remember times where this would happen to me where really good isn't good enough and then you just cross that threshold of, oh, I'm going to make it better. And then before you know it, you're you're going down some rabbit holes of exploration and then uh, negative things happen in terms of production. And then now you're reeling because you're trying to search for things and this is why hitting is so hard. Uh, <laughs> in a perfect world, you're Mike Trout, and you just know how to show up at the field and create your swing every day and don't have to think too much about it. And even though I'm, I'm 
guessing or uh, adjudicating. Is that the right use of that word right there? Potentially. I don't know what you're going to say. Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm just uh, uh, hypothesizing, uh, predicting. I, I, don't, I don't know if adjudicating fits there. But anyway, the point is you're when you start to recognize that you're vulnerable in this game and that moving a right, the right way or moving efficiently or, or, or some set of moves doesn't is it's just not the Holy grail. It's not the, the solution. It's not the answer. It, it has to, it has to blend approach and, and, and mechanics and you have to understand how to have small victories to, to then get to the big victories, meaning, you know, when you're struggling and you're grinding, can you hit your backside line drive to just hit a one hopper through the, the opposite field, uh, infield hole and how that swing allows you to clean up. And I, I was actually having a conversation yesterday about how somebody was relating it to golf, right? Where you see a guy on the leaderboard for five, six, eight straight weeks where their swings just dialed in. Uh, and then they disappear for, you know, weeks, months at a time, and they're missing cuts and stuff like that. It Baseball does that to you, but in a much more, I don't know, a much bigger blender, I guess. And even when you're bad, you can survive okay if you know how to. You can hit your singles. You can you can scratch and claw to hit your bleeders and your ground balls through the six hole. And it's a great, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. I think I think Votto was chasing a higher ceiling and his, his floor got lower because his bad right now, he's hitting 122. That's bad. It's hard to hit 122. In 70, 22 games to hit 122. One double, no homers, uh, 12 walks, 29 strikeouts. These are not Vado-ish numbers. And I'm going to, I've said this phrase before, uh, this is a Tropic Thunder reference. I'm not going to say the actual phrase because this movie was made in 2008 and you can't say this stuff anymore, That the actual movie quote. But the quote here is, never go full Votto. If you've seen Tropic Thunder, that'll make sense. Yeah. Like you it. can't go, don't go too far. You can't, you can't do a full send of Votto because he's like, to your point, he's smart. He's going to think about it. He's going to invest in it. He's going to go deep dive it. Joey Votto's was my favorite players. I'm not. I, I'm not trying to speak ill of him at all. He's literally one of my favorite players, but what he's doing right now is not working. I envy players that have the the capability to just go to the field and make today about today without having to think twice about it. And it's it's really interesting when you when you find players capable of doing that. Um, I'm going to shout out Rutgers baseball right now because they're just fun to watch. Ryan Lasko, Ryan Lask Ryan Lasko oh. is a monster. And I, I'm telling you, like I, I, I had a chance to talk to this kid uh, probably, I don't know, two months ago. And his numbers were just not pedestrian, but okay at the time. But I, I remember talking about him and I said, I, I, I got it. He came on the call and I said, I really enjoy watching you play young man i said keep going you're pretty impressive i don't say that to many people because he just always looks like he's attacking no matter what and and the circumstances around him don't matter he turned 0 for 4 into 1 for 5 with a bomb one day a couple weeks ago and or a double he had a game-winning double sorry it wasn't a bomb and then this weekend five homer weekend and 
you know, Evan told me he's the hottest hitter on the planet right now. And I said, that is a byproduct of the way he attacks every day. And you can just see he plays different. And it's not because of his skill set, I don't think. It's it, it's because of he's a player that just goes to the field and competes like crazy and, and gets into attack mode. Whatever he's got, he's got, he's going to give you that day. And that's such an enviable trait in baseball. And I, I, people that that I can see do that because at some point there are factors that affect you otherwise, right? There's something from the outside or your teammates or your team's winning or you're doing really well and and you start thinking you're better than you are or you're doing really poorly and you start going down the rabbit hole that is infinite of, oh my God, I suck and blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see when players are really embracing that feeling. And it doesn't mean it's sustainable. So you have to... You, you have to always, not sustainable. you have <laughs> to earn it and you just have to earn it every day. You have to earn the ability to do that every day. And really, I, I read a quote by Goldschmidt the other day that was talking about, uh, I can't even remember the exact quote, but I'm going to paraphrase it. It was like, you know, you, you have to learn how to appreciate victories that aren't hits every day because those victories can keep you going, keep you motivated. So really changing the paradigm of what a victory is to you every day, because it can, it can help you maintain confidence when things go kind of awry. And that's what we have to do is we have to redefine what a win is in hitting. Every day, by the way, it's not, it's not across the board what the wins are. You know, it's not the, every, the same every day. Did you see my, I'm doing a video response Monday on Twitter. Did you see any of those today? People were talking about some different stuff, and I was like, I can't even, I can't even type all this out right now. I'm just gonna do a video, and one of it was was all about like this guy asked a question about optimizing launch angles, and he's doing some weird math. He's like, if the pitch is coming in at six, and then you swing at fourteen, would that create a twenty degree launch angle? I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. If we're not, this is not arithmetic. We're not <laughs> just arithmetic. Up. You just dropped an arithmetic. Yes. Nice. Uh, so I was just talking about like you you can't optimize everything. Like it's not about optimization. Like the goal is to hit the ball 15 degrees. Well, yeah, no kidding. No kidding. But you're not going to get a pitch to hit the ball 15 degrees every single time. You're not going to – you can't do damage on every pitch. And I feel like everybody's just trying to do damage every pitch. We're playing in a blender. And like – just don't make outs. Do everything you can to not make outs. We're playing in a blender. That's what people don't understand. They, they want to play. They want to play baseball in a vacuum. We're playing in a blender. This is two completely different places. I like that. I know. I, like I that, really like it too. And I came up with it on the spot. It's like uh, it's too. Uh, <sighs> like it puts a picture of a vacuum in my brain, which is not at all what the. Yeah. The, but what still it means. awesome. But I love yeah. it. Vacuum blender. We need to like icons vacuum in a blender <laughs> that's great when you good job when, that was when nice. you're the circumstances are changing every pitch they're not always the same stop trying to standardize it what are we doing like what are we doing i don't i don't understand for the life of me i feel like i live in la la land right now i'm telling you i, I when i have conversations with people about hitting or see some dumb shit like this online i just want to slam my head up against the wall or at least poke myself with 
like a hot skewer. Maybe not in the eyeball, but just at least do that. Because it, yeah. it, I can't understand how people don't get it. And and I guess, okay, you never lived it. You didn't do it. Dude, you've never been 0 for 8 in the show. Or you've never been 0 for 8 in your life. Or you don't remember being 0 for 8 in your life. Well, it's a pretty crappy feeling. And then, oh, by the way, you're worried about the lineup card. You're worried about this. You're worried about getting sent down. You're worried about getting cut. You're worried. It's it's hard, man. It's that's why it's hard. It's it's really simple, a simple game. But we're talking. We're trying to, oh yeah, swing at this degree of launch. And then what happens if I swing and miss, Johnny? What happens then? Now what? Oh, you taught me to swing at 15. Cool. I can do that, but my, now they're throwing me at 18. But what did, what are we talking about? <laughs> Idiots. All right, let's move on because they were going to rant, I know. I'm sure. <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> so the topic is called the most impressive hitter in the country. is a kid named Ryan McCarty. So this came across my Twitter feed yesterday. Because Steven, I hope I'm saying his name right, Scoach? Scoach? How do you say his name? Scoach? He played at I don't know Virginia. why you're asking me. It was more rhetorical. Oh. His Twitter handle is at BigDonkey47. He was like the darling of social media during last year's NCAA tournament. Really funny guy. We need to have him on the podcast. Um, it's great. He asked the question, Who's the, who has the most impressive stat line in college baseball right now? This popped up, <clears throat> Penn State Abington. Through forty games, he's hitting five fifty two, leading the country. He has twenty six doubles, leading the country, twenty seven homers, leading the country, eighty five RBI, leading the country. He has uh, thirty four walks, twelve strikeouts. Oh, and by the way, he's twenty for twenty three in stolen bases. And he's read your book. That I wasn't even going to bring that up. I did. So, I'm like, I want to know how many of his 26 doubles were almost homers. Like, was this like, how close were we to 40 homers in 40 games? Because typically you see maybe a guy with like 26 doubles and 13 homers. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Or you get like a really high power guy who doesn't hit a bunch of doubles because his doubles are homers. So, you see like 12 doubles. 25 homers to go 26 doubles 27 homers 85 rbis in 40 games what in the world is happening if he has any tri- without having any triples that's 53 three triples so 56 extra base hits in 40 games that's an an almost an extra base hit and a half per game it's absurd think about that so that Absolutely how many absurd. how many how many he's if he, he goes bet- if he went three for six his average goes down I'm willing. I'm willing to bet he has at least one three homer game and five two homer games, and it might be multiple Maybe. three homer games. I'm gonna go look through the box scores later because I saw it last night and I almost did and then I didn't. It's it's pretty unconscious. That that's I don't care what anybody in Division One does or they want to say it's Division Three. These numbers are unbeatable. I, this is the best hitter in the country right now, period. End of story. So you can't he also, create numbers he also like that. Hit, he also hit um, 
50 I saw in the Valley League. So, like this kid, he had a four-homer game. Last game of the year, he had four homers. Yeah. A four-homer, one, two, three, four, five, six, two homer games. So that's 16 right there. <laughs> Just, I mean, what? that's absurd. This is absolutely absurd. You just don't. Yeah. You don't do this. And he pitches pretty well too. But just in case, in does, he, does he wash people's cars too, and sell popcorn at the games? Listen, I, whatever he's doing, I want to do it. It's just the most. It's it's one of the most absurd stat lines I've ever seen. Ever. Yeah, that's a video game. Two hundred and eight total bases in forty games. That's a video game, man. And there's nothing else to say other than His kudos to him. percentage is a thousand two hundred nine. Which means, on average, every time he comes up to the up to up to home plate, every is it is it about or plate appearance for slugging? No, slugging is walks. No, no, slugging doesn't include walks. What planet do you live on right now? I don't. I just forgot. I blacked out on that one. Every time, every at bat, he averages like getting to first base and taking a lead. On average, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. So good job, just I mean, just spotlighting that more than anything else. Um, what do you do when you're this hot? My my only advice is to do everything in your power, just stay in the moment. Like when you get in that batter's box, just be in that batter's box. That's the whole point of everything. Breathe, is how do you just, just keep going? But even to get to this point, he had to have already felt some of this so he's obviously learned how to embrace it and just go because if you have if you have 12 jimmies 20 games you, into the you season look you you're, look up and you're, you're doing like, stupid things right, right. i'm so nasty I, I don't is this possible to keep going he let's let's just call a spade a spade he had to have felt himself being this good before it happened in order to be able to make himself this good because if you, if you haven't, then you don't know how to deal with it. You you literally won't deal with it. It's I would call it Tommy White syndrome. Not that he's having a, a bad year, but the way he started and to where he is now are, you could say he got caught up in a little bit, right? He was hitting 682 or whatever with nine yeah. pumps through the first 10 games. And now he, I think he's he hit his 16th the other day or something like that. He's hitting 372 with 19. Still 19 yeah damn good season but i i'm not i'm not downplaying that but there was a it's there was a good four week stretch it's impossible you look yeah. up and you go man am i really this good is this gonna last instead of just letting it the, By the, the way, ability sunny d, sunny d what a stud the best player intentionally walked by tennessee two yeah. times in a row people were talking to me about him yesterday and like did you see the first vision from auburn i said yeah he's it's awesome my favorite player. He's uh, David Wells slash John Crook slash Chris Caldwell. I don't know the guy's name in Moneyball, but he's a guy in Moneyball that won't go to second. That's it. It's a perfect. <laughs> it's a perfect analogy because he's such a good hitter, and he doesn't look like he should be such a good hitter. He's way better than me. That is for sure. It remains to anyway. be seen if he's better than me. No, he's definitely he's, better than me too. Tell you what, he's got more homers in the SEC than you. Definitely better than me. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So Ryan McCarty, McCarty, great job. Keep doing you. Uh, I'm doing my, I'm doing what I can to create exposure for him online and offline. So keep doing your thing. Next topic, Evan Longoria. 
<clears throat> talking about the coaching staff of the Giants. And there's I've seen a couple things on this, um, not just the quotes from Longoria, but also just talking. There's an article about Gabe Kapler talking about diversity in the coaching staff and how important it is that the more the more diversified their coaching staff is, the better suited they are to serve their team. And Longoria specifically was talking about hitting coaches, having you know, there's three different guys that they can go to and being able to click with certain coaches or knowing who you can talk to, knowing who you're kind of jiving with versus being in a situation where there's one hitting guy, you're not clicking with them, it's not working, but that's who you're dealt. That's, that's, that's who you got to work with. Uh, curious on your thoughts about, I guess, the hitting side specifically with um, dealing with hitting coaches that you don't necessarily get along with and how to manage that. And I guess also your perspective on what the Giants are doing, where they've got multiple people where not, there's not one go-to guy for hitting per se. Bobby Maggs talked about this with us last year. It was the same thing. They have the old school guy in sights. They have... Uh, Bobby Maggs, who's probably like the more psychological and slash mechanics guy. And then they have the other guy who's the data and analytics guy, which is perfect. It's like perfect blend. And then you just go to who you relate to the most. You go to who you can have the conversations with the most. Dante Bichette had told us a few years back, he's like, I don't think there should be hitting coaches in the minor leagues. And I'm so down with that. I'm good. Great. Like the hitting... The hitting coach is a psychiatrist slash psychologist. The, when people start getting really understanding that there's no right for anyone, there's no right. There's no perfect formula. There's no, hey, do this and you're going to figure it out. There is a way to help players build confidence and a way to help players believe in themselves and to believe in the fact that they know how to make the swings that they want to make and how to get on time. Perfect. Like let's have multiple sources for players. Let's, and, and if they're just that, if they're just sources for information, the biggest difference between the college game and the pro game is the fact that coaches and the pros understand that they're just there to be, to serve the players where coaches in college think that the players are there to serve them and their wishes and their needs. And maybe there's a, a need for that in some capacity because you have to create some sort of structure or whatever you want to call it in college. But the, the hitting coaches, and I don't think people in the outside world really understand how little coaches in the pro level tell players what to do or it never happened. Literally, you don't tell players what to do because if you do, somebody's going to fight you. They're, like there's going to you're either going to get fired or there's going to be a fight in the clubhouse or both. Um yeah, so I think it's great. And the the counterpoint that Longoria made was just too many cooks sometimes. And if the coaches understand that their job is to shut up and be available, then they're going to be fine. Not much to add to that. That was pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think back to situations in my career. I think it's just, it's so different because back then there wasn't, 
there wasn't video. There wasn't any technology. There wasn't basically just do what the coach told you to do when you were little and ride that out. That was about it. But the means, the means of what we're teaching or the, the source or the, 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 whatever you want to call it, the, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it, whether it's a swing thought or an approach thought or a mechanical thought or what, whatever it is, it does not, it literally does not matter. Cause if the player is not ready to receive the information from the source, then the, the information doesn't matter at all. It, literally think about it. Oh, you see that a guy's dumping his barrel, right? It's just happening every pitch, whether it's a timing related issue or, you know, their, their top hands let go of the bat and, and the barrels drag in or whatever, whatever the thing is, right? You cannot go to that player and say, Hey, this is what's happening. Unless that player comes to you first. Cause if the player, if the player feels threatened or attacked by you in any capacity, they're just going to write you off or they're going to go. Yeah, no shit. Sherlock. I know what I'm doing. I you're a professional hitter. You know, what's happening. It's not, it's not your first time dealing with an understanding of, of why you're missing, but what you need in that moment is a source. You need a person to be able to talk to. You need a person to be able to share ideas with and bounce things off of, and then feel good about the, the solution that you're getting to. So regardless of whether it's the video generation or the mechanics generation or the analytics generation, it literally it's irrelevant. I played in all of them. It, you need somebody that you can have a conversation with to build your confidence, to help you believe that you know what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, you're the one that goes in the box. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which brings me to my next point. This actually leads right into it. So. To Fred Van Fleet? Yeah. All right. So the next topic, sorry, I got a, I got a Slack message from Vishnu, my best friend Vishnu. Um, so Fred Van Fleet, who was Vliet. not Van Van Vliet. I thought it was an F. Is that, did I say that wrong? Van, it's not Van Fleet. Is that right? I'm going to breathe louder next time. Yeah, FVV. I thought it was Van Fleet this whole time. So when they won a couple years ago, when the Raptors won the whole thing with Kawhi up there, he was like very, very much a role player, right? He like would shoot a couple of times, wasn't really a starter, was getting some time. Now he's an all-star. I mean, this is the correct Yeah, uh, you're, timeline, you right? keep going, yeah. I'm not a big basketball guy, give me a break. Clearly, so, you just called him Fleet. I thought that was his name. Sorry, uh, Fred. So. Didn't he like he bet on himself? He said like, th- I, "I'm." There's like bits and pieces. Like, didn't he like he was he non-drafted or something? Something happened where he like bet on himself hard. He worked out. He got paid. Now he's an all-star. So the quote was, "He's not. He's never too proud for ask for help." Twenty points a game isn't good enough anymore. So he went from being like non-starter to being an all-star, and twenty points a game is not good enough anymore. He's the so this guy. Whole process, this whole process of going from like the nobody to the guy. And now he needs to kind of reinvent himself again and become better. And he has to go back to the drawing board and, in his words, get uncomfortable again. Um, what are you, what were you going to say about him? 
You said it was going to lead you to your next point. Well, the, the the whole thing we were just talking about is a player, and, and, and I think the thing, my favorite thing about the quote was, I'm not afraid. I've gotten to a point in my career where I'm not afraid to ask for help because I went, I went from underrated to overrated, right? That was kind of his, his whole position. And I'm, I've gotten to a point in my career where I'm not afraid to go ask for help. And it's crazy because so you spend your whole early life really trying to build confidence. And I, I'm going to relate this to a conversation I had uh, actually that started yesterday and happened this morning with a, a, a dad and son who uh, you and I will talk about later. But uh, player X started the season out pretty good freshman, um, really good first couple games. Uh, really wants to take ownership of his career, uh, is very vested in the process, but in a lot of ways wants to do it alone, right? And I, I respect that. That's great. It is your career. Like, go. And then won't really, like, reach out to anyone for help. And, by the way, hitting 202 right now. And the two homers that were hit in week one are now the only two on the list. So... The, the dad said to me, he goes, he's, he doesn't want to ask for help. And I, cause I said, have him call me. And he's like, well, I know he won't. <laughs> and part of this whole thing that I'm saying with F V V is when you get to the point, yeah, go ahead. What were we going to say? I could have sworn it was Van Fleet, but keep going. Yeah. But when you get to the point where you are truly that confident and believe that much in yourself, you learn one very simple thing that you can't do it alone and that you can be vulnerable and you can be exposed. So your whole development early is to try to get to that point where you're confident and, and you don't need anybody else. But then true ownership of self is to know that, yeah, there's like a whole nother world out there that I'm going to have to go explore. And the only way I can, I can, I can get that knowledge is if I go to people that have wisdom and have been there and I explore different ideas. So you build this edge, right. To, to become a really good high school or college player. And then when you really, I think reach the Mecca as an athlete is when you just understand that you don't know anything and you're, you're just always willing to take information in and, and ask questions and, and, and relate things to other people. So it's this weird paradigm where you have these young people that are trying to, they're not posers, but they're, they're just trying to, trying to bow up. You see it all the time, get defensive about some ridiculous thing that you may maybe make a comment about like, Oh, well this happened. Oh, well this is why that, or this is why that went like the guy that the guy that, you know, he's getting down the, the wire, he's hitting 320 with a couple weeks left and he hits 270. And he's like, oh, well, I was hitting 320 with two weeks left. I'm like, I don't care. You hit 270, bro. Like, it doesn't, like. Yeah, what happens if the, if the season goes another week? What's your batting average going to be? It's going to be 250 or is it going to be 300? Which way are you going? But in order to really get to that point where you can become the greatest version of yourself, you just have to, you can, it's, it's the letting go factor. It's the, hey, I'm exposed here, guys. I know I am. You just have to be willing to admit when you're in a vulnerable state. And if you can do that, you, you can be okay. Like I Votto should probably do the same thing right now. Be like, okay, 
Back to the drawing board. What's anybody got for me right here? I, this sucks. I'm terrible right now. Somebody help me. Somebody just give me something. I'll try it. I would go, uh, I would give him, try to, don't stride and hit the ball on the, the third base side dugout. Yeah, literally. Spread out. Go heel up, heel down, and hit a ground ball through the six hole. Because I'm sure they're shifting you anyway. So, like, get you get you ground ball knock to shortstop. And watch how quickly, if you just stay with that approach, that it all starts to blend back to, you know, homer, like, line drive to the middle, and then homer to right center, and then homer to left center, and then before you know it, you're off to the races. Oh, yeah. So that's where you have to just toe these lines all the time. And I, I give I give Fred a ton of credit for, for saying that because he, he's – it's clearly a guy who has overachieved throughout his career and maybe not even overachieved. That's probably not the right word, but really maximizes ability and wants to be great. And I think that's awesome. I wish more people would do that. On paper, a pretty good year. He's a really good player. <laughs> really good player. Is he like a three-point specialist type guy? Yes, he can shoot the rock. He, but he, I mean, he, he, like, he's got a really good game. Like, he, he gets the rim. He's a, just a really good basketball player, but he can shoot. It's awesome. Wichita State. Way to go. Yeah, base, baseball. I don't, know, school. I don't know too much about him. We got another basketball story. Cat, uh, Carl Anthony Towns. I, I think Cat's not being a basketball fan and turning the game on. With a cat. Not, not a good nickname. Um, so they lost to Memphis. John Morant is the coolest dude on the planet. Um, but Cat did this whole like blowing kisses to the fans thing. They blew a 10 point lead late in the game. <laughs> He's like doing the, like he should be pissed. And then he was like doing this whole like thank you to the fans. We love you. And then uh, Damian Lillard retweeted or he, uh, reposted a story on his whatever social media talking about the culture and psychology of sports. So, number one, dude's just launching threes in crunch time, unnecessary. Like, kind of goes into the optimization thing. Uh, Morant and Brooks were dancing on the logo. They were the two seed that just beat the three seed in a series that was way too close. Like, maybe don't go dance on the logo when you should be pissed off. Uh, that brings me, it reminded me of something. We played my freshman year at Vermont. We played, like, Northern Iowa, and they beat us. And I always remember the shortstop was, they got the final out. It was a, it was a close game, but it was very obvious that the shortstop was pissed off that they didn't kill us. Like, he it was very, very noticeable that he was mad that it was a close game and i feel like that's kind of the, the thought here like why are you celebrating essentially mediocrity like you should have dominated them and you didn't and now you're dancing on their logo uh so cat i can't believe he's cat cat waving goodbye to the crowd blowing, just an acronym bobby blowing, I, know, it's just terrible. I don't like it um blue 10 point lead and Talking about Kevin Garnett being crazy upset that they lost in the, to the Lakers. Uh, Pat Beverly tears, uh, tears game coming into the blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what that said. Um, players today are so talented and skilled 
The game is in a great place and more popular than ever, but the clout and money associated with being a pro now at the NBA level has changed the psyche of a lot of guys. You see it daily. Is it the money or is it the just need to be liked from a social I think it's weird. So I I was thinking about not before this even came out. Um, Kyrie, double middle finger to the fans in Boston. Yeah, but he's past he's past the point of he already went to the like side because he played long enough that he won a championship and was a guy, and then he just started getting opinionated and stopped caring. But like no, but we're talking about so, young players in the NBA, like yeah, Carl yeah, Anthony yeah. Towns, only no, been but, in the league like six years. So this was this is like a different um, different angle on this. The double bird to the Celtics fans. Did he get fined for that? Uh, he got he got fined. Yeah, I think okay, he, he got fined for it. But it was very like to me, like the fact that I have to ask if he got fined for that, I can't even imagine like players flipping double birding the fans. And then Tim Anderson did it right after that to fans in Cleveland. Feels like the the line of like staying between the lines, the bat flipping thing, there was a, a an incident with uh the Tennessee Auburn game, guy for Auburn had a huge homer late in the game. Bat flipped. The bat ended up basically in the dugout for Tennessee. Tennessee's head coach returned the bat to the to the Auburn dugout fairly aggressively, like basically threw the bat into the team, like he flipped it back over and it bounced into the players. Almost started another fight. It's like what the lines just the lines feel very blurred right now for what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. I don't see it stopping either. I think, I mean, there's gonna there's gonna end up being like crazy brawl, eye opening type brawl, at some point. So maybe like bring a bat on the field and hit somebody with it, which has been done before, but it's like I I just don't like it. Anyway, back to uh, young players. That was my that was my rant. You feel like you feel like John Morant should have been dancing on the logo. Are you frozen or are you just acting? Am I back? Am I back? Yeah. No, I was I, th- I thought you were My hitting me with the freeze right there. Chopping it or not. <laughs> no. I, look, s- Twitter and Instagram call them likes, right? They're likes. You're trying to get liked, literally. You're trying to garner attention and get somebody to pay attention to who you are. How that has begun to happen in the last 10 years is you do the most outlandish thing that you can do and see how far you can, you can push, right? See how far past outside of the norm you can get to draw attention to yourself. And it's literally the polar opposite of the way we were raised. I was raised in a generation where I was told to not bring attention to myself on the field. I was told to let my game speak for me and not my words or my actions. So the idea, I pumped my fist one time when I hit a homer in Little League and my dad came up to me after the game and goes, what are you doing? He goes, don't you ever do that again. And I, I would hit 
I would have a day where I would hit a couple homers or feel really good about what I did and want to tell the whole world because the narcissist in all of us and the, the, the proud person in all of us wants to let the world know what we just did. And we learned a trait called humility, right? We learned a trait that was sportsmanship. We learned a trait that was letting your game speak for itself as opposed to having to create an action to make your game speak for you. And we've now developed a generation where really, really talented players are now trying to do things to stand out besides just what they do as, as players. You don't, Ja, you don't need to dance on the logo. You don't need to have uh, two different dreads. You don't like, you don't need to do those things. Because all they are, are, are they're trying to become trendsetters or, or, or cries for attention or whatever you want to call them. And I think that's what Dame is referring to, right? I think that's what, Bobby, that's what the bat flip is. The bat flip is a moment where you go, look at me even more. Because everybody's looking at you already, dude. You just hit a ball 410 feet. Stop. You don't need to get more attention. And I don't, I don't, I just don't. We're just going to keep pushing the line. We're just going to keep pushing the line further and further and further. And and you brought it up the other day. I think you said it's going to lead to some bad energy and opposing dugouts and bad blood. And eventually it's going to turn into form tackles on the field like it was the other day. Like it's stop. Just stop. You already embarrassed the guy. Stop. You don't need to go any further. That's what sportsmanship is. And look, there's a place to talk trash and, and, and really have those those moments in games where you, you know, you get on each other, but it, the duel stays between players and stays on the floor. But now there's just so much access that I feel like everybody, oh, what's next? What's next? What's next? And being humble and being able to shake somebody's hand when it's all said and done is just, it's not going to, it's not going to get likes. I know that. I'll like it. I'll, I'll throw out a like. The, uh, the, the term sportsmanship, stood out to me and all that because I feel like that's really what's I feel like that's missing right now there's a like the whole purpose of talking trash is to get into people's skin and to make them be emotional and play emotionally and everybody now is being taught oh play with emotion let your emotions out be that person I just don't I mean I don't I don't doesn't resonate with me how about that? I'll say it that way. It doesn't resonate with me. Um, it, it's, it just doesn't make a, sense to me. There's a line, Bobby. There's just a line. The problem is people are trying to move the line or just jump right over it. There is a line. You have to have feel to understand where that line is. Or you have to get your feelings hurt to understand where that line is. It's one of the two. But the problem is we're not allowing feelings to get hurt, right? We're not at the youth level. Look at the amateur level. Oh, you don't like this team? Just go pay to play on another one. <laughs> oh, they're not playing? You go play on another one. And and then all of a sudden, if you do anything to anyone, they scream, oh, you know, whatever, this, that, the other thing. Like, they just find whatever reason they can for being called out. And instead of making people wear it, you know, the, the, the masses are going, oh, well, you know, we need to be more compassionate for this person. Okay, well, you shouldn't have messed up in the first place. 
you shouldn't have gone so far when you had warning after warning after warning. You're not allowed to be upset anymore. You're not allowed to cry and say, it's like the, it's like saying sorry the 10th time you make the same mistake. Well, you're not actually sorry because you would have changed it. Yeah. I just, yeah. I feel like when you, when you're doing all this stuff, there's, there's a line of respect. There's a line of sportsmanship. I just, I always, whenever I, I'm on a baseball field, the, I feel the energy. I don't feel, I think I've said this before. I don't necessarily feel that energy in like normal life, but on a baseball field, I feel it. I can, I get a really strong sense of where the momentum is and where the energy is. And, um, you're just doing stuff that's pushing negative. It's pushing energy in the wrong direction to me. That's what it feels like to me too often. And you're, you're giving motivation to the other side and you're just, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't know. Different game, I guess. Hey, but you're building the brand, man. Yeah. Sell some t-shirts. Get that merch going. Um, post show. Ben Joyce for Tennessee. He supposedly threw a ball 105.5 miles per hour. This is a Yacker Tech reading. The scoreboard had it as well, which I think, I don't know if that's a Raider gun or track man. I saw somebody call it Yacker Track, which is funny because it's, I think Yakker track is pretty funny. Um, 105.5. Pretty quick. It's pretty quick. Then people were like, oh, he's all arm. It's like, well, shoot, more people should be all arm than if you could throw it 105.5. The kid seems like an absolute, and I mean this in a positive way, like an absolute psycho. Like he came off the mound. Savage would have been a better word there. Fiery. No, I, well, there's a fine line between savage and psycho. There's, he, I meant it as a compliment, not in a bad I get way. it. I, you don't have to guy, it to I, me. I want my closer to be a psycho. I want that guy to be a little bit off kilter. But he was—he just he was crazy fired up yesterday. So Savage might be more appropriate. 105 is absurd. He, This guy was throwing like midweek games beginning of the year. I don't know if he still is, but I mean, 105 is absurd. Yeah, it's fast. It's like the uh, and the, all the people are like, oh, the technology, the technology. Um, it's like the guy that, oh, I got the guy running a six two sixty. Well, he didn't run a six seven. It might have been a six three. It might have been a six four. But either way, it's really fast. And also, like, what are the hitters telling you? Are the hitters telling you it's one hundred five? Is it unheard of for a college kid to even hit a hundred fifteen years ago? Fifteen years ago, yeah, this wasn't happening. Yeah. So, I mean, major league, it was major league wasn't happening. We're just pushing the limits of of awesome and thresholds of crazy. I mean, I, I'd be curious to see what his his development curve looked like, how he got to where he is, and things like that. But I mean, how much was it? Was it natural? Like he just had really good arm, uh, fast arm, strength, body, Listen, frame. That, that was. Or, that was the second fastest recorded pitch ever. So I know there's is, only one other person on the planet that's done what he's done. But what I'm saying is how much. Why are you making like that face, I, Patrick? When a, when a guy only one person's thrown the ball faster than him. So when, he, one, two, three, they said it was a, the second fastest ever. When a, when a guy threw a hundred 20 years ago, 
it was coming from a place of probably just natural development, right? Now, I think players with weighted ball training and earlier strength training and, and much younger getting into growth mindset and development way, way earlier training, custom training, personalized training, um, way earlier in their lives. Again, how much of like, would he, had he, I need to know, right? Like, was he the training? Yeah. Was he just like a guy that played three sports and then just picked up a ball one day? I was like, Oh, I throw hard. And then somebody polished his mechanics up and before you know it, now he's throwing one Oh five. Or is he a dude that, you know, always had a good arm and then, and then just stayed the, the pitching path his whole youth went the weighted balls and worked with, you know, pitching guys or whatever. It's interesting. Yeah, I would, I would say his mechanics are not even especially polished. He does have a very, like he reaches really far back and kind of hangs it there for a second. It's not the smoothest delivery. Maybe more so, people should not have smooth deliveries. One Oh five and a half. It's fast. That's a lot. I would, I'd be curious to, <clears throat> to your point before, what are the hitters telling you? It does it, the number doesn't matter. It's just what are the hitters telling you? Yeah. It, the numbers, the people love the number, but it doesn't matter. What are the swings telling you? Yep. Uh, we already talked about the Tennessee coach, Vitelli, right? That's his name? Vitelli? Tony Vitelli? Hey, good old boy. By then, hey. He's like, no, you can have your bat back. This is this is the thing with the with the bat flips. I saw another a kid from Wayland Baptist, which is they've been on social before. A kid got thrown out of a game because he bat flipped too high. Did you see that one? By Just for that? He, I mean, he launched it. Hey, I can speaking, find this clip right now for speak, you because he like he hit it and it was clearly a tank and this the human being that hit it is also a tank, but he took two took a couple steps and like vertical he probably threw it fifty feet in the air. So speaking of, of ridiculous things that happen on a baseball field, so that was a minor league game where the kid got called out on strikes. Yes. Okay. What did he get called out for? It looked like it was a time stepping thing. out of the box. No, it couldn't have been a time thing because it's twenty seconds. The pitch clock's twenty seconds. Are you not allowed to get out of the box at all? I don't know. I don't understand. I didn't understand because it definitely I thought you wasn't put on swings. It was like a check yeah. swing, but is a check swing different than a full? Yeah, swing? but I don't understand what he called him out for. That's why I'm saying it wasn't. It certainly it, it looked like he was getting himself set and looking up. I know when I was in the minor leagues and they had just put the pitch clock in, they were just talk, they were talking about you had to be set the pit, the hitter had to be set with 5 seconds to go on the clock. But it was a 20 second clock. That the moment he was lifting his head up was about 6 seconds after he had just taken the the last ridiculous swing. It wasn't slow. It the, that the minor league guy was not slow. He took a awful swing. Like check swing ish, kind of like just just swiped at it. It wasn't even a full swing. He was disgusted with himself. He backed out, got back in pretty quick, but his body language was like, oh, I'm pathetic. And then he got back in the box and he's like, no, nope, you're out. Go sit down. I, did, I, I totally didn't understand it. Yeah. it's It didn't seem like you watching the video of this kid? Yeah, I'm trying to. Patrick, you see this video? I put it in the chat. That's launched. That kid's a unit also. 
He got thrown out of the game for that? Like, at what... So, we'll take it back to the Tennessee-Auburn game. No, no, no. But did the he actually get thrown out of the game? Yeah, he got ejected. Look at the coach Wait, at the end of the so clip he's, yelling at... He's run- at, the, at the end of the clip, the, um, the head coach has his hat off yelling at the umpire at home plate. Oh, yeah. Now I see it. But I don't even think the kid knew he got thrown out of the game. No, he had no clue. Kid's got pretty cool hair. Yeah, that's a big man. It's like Miguel Sano type body. Sure. Kenny's Smart. So, so with all these bat flips, I've been saying for a while, somebody's going to get somebody's gonna hit by a bat at some point. Then what happens? Like, if you throw the bat that high and it lands on somebody, they could look. I mean, you could get. It's all fun and, and games. Till somebody somebody's. Losing an eye. No, but seriously, like if you throw a bat fifty feet in the air and it hits somebody in the head, dude, you, you don't have to tell me. Hurt that, somebody. It's absurd. Bat flipping that high is absurd. I'm telling you, Batista ruined everyone. But maybe don't hit the most important homer in 22 years in Toronto baseball history and throw the bat to orbit. But just bear in mind, it's the big leagues, and there's a lot of room between the lines and the dugouts and stuff. So he was—he knew he wasn't going to hit anybody. He actually looked where he was throwing it. It's an aggressive vertical. So Tennessee game, the kid—the kid's bat flip in the Tennessee game didn't—it wasn't that aggressive. Like if you did it ten years ago, it would have been very aggressive. By today's standards, not aggressive. Like he hit it. He, it was like a, I think it was a slider. Or it was off-speed pitch, and he, he was early consistently in the in that back. It was like a soft throw lefty. Guy's like 84, 85 with a change-up slider. So he was like out in front, out in front, and he finally like just stays back enough to speed up his bat head out front. He killed it. He killed it. And then as he's going, he, he did like the double, the double flip, double-handed flip, and it had a lot of spin on it. And it ba- like – Vitelli said that it ended up on the net that's in front of the dugout. So he's like, if there was no net there, it's the bat went in our dugout essentially. Yeah. So he just returned it. He just politely returned the bat. So, like, where's the line? Somebody's gonna get hurt. I I don't like, understand why. Do you get why ejected I, only if you get hurt, or do you get? Ejected I don't understand if you how do... coaches aren't putting the kibosh on it. That's the only thing I don't get. Because okay, so what happens if you? now become like the non-fun coach and then you're going to lose recruits because of it? No, I'm not going to be the non-fun coach. I'm going to tell you that there's a line. I'm going to be like, dude, I love cool Homer celebrations, but they have to be like cool. They can't be like fake cool. And I'm going to be the judge. I'm judge, jury, and executioner. I'm the coach of the team. Deal with it. And I'm going to put like a three-strike policy in place where if you do it once, like, all right, you're 0-1. Second time, like, there's a chance I might, if you do it egregiously enough now, because I know you're doing it on purpose now, because you you haven't you haven't really, you know, crossed that line. And then the third time, bro, like, there's the the end of the bench. See how it feels. And I don't I care if you're my cleanup was, hitter. I just noticed that in that clip, it said it's just the kid's fifth homer of the week. So he's feeling himself. Um. Brian McCarty hit four in a game. Was he pimping it like oh, that? Oh, I don't maybe, know. Yeah. <laughs> he did do a bat flip. Uh, this kid's raking. He's hitting 433 with 17 overs. Yeah, not 522 with 27. It's true. 552. True story. 
Anyway. I just I just don't know. I like if you don't draw a line. Like what what if the what if the rule is like the bat flip can't go above head height? There it listen. There's you can't there's just you can't you can tell when it's obnoxious. you can tell when it's obnoxious and you can tell when it's not. That that one was obnoxious. Now the umpire has no right to throw him out of the game, I don't think, for throwing the bat up in the air. It's not like he hit him with the bat. That's that's almost even more ludicrous to me. But maybe like up? Yeah. Maybe if you're the coach, just pump the breezies a little bit. Like, dude, we're up eleven to one. Need you to just kind of just act like you've done this before, considering you hit five this week. But you don't get likes on Instagram for just hitting a homer and putting your bat down. We're not talking about you if you don't flip the bat, right? So, but people just want to be so talked about for all the wrong reasons. That was his third homer. There, he had three homers that game. So okay. Cool. Um, Sick. None of them were to take the lead. Even if it was his last one, it wasn't to take the. Lead. I, I honestly, I didn't. I mean, for all things considered, that wasn't off. as bad. That wasn't as bad as other ones I've seen. You said it was orbit. I mean, he threw it high, but it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Pretty aggressive. <laughs> I could I could never even dream of throwing a bat that high after we, making contact. The problem, Bobby, the only reason why this happens is because we don't allow for the consequences to come back to haunt people after, right? Like if, like, oh, you can't fight because you're going to get suspended for a week. Oh, you can't hit the guy. Like, you can't, like, it's just, I told you, like, because it, it, if that kid gets dotted his next at bat, Right, Which if he the can't, player he got ejected, but so in this case, the umpire <laughs> the umpire threw him out, and he shouldn't have. Was what my point that I'm trying to make. If but like, if the game itself, if baseball itself gives you a warning, as opposed to the umpire or the, even the coach, dude, I'm telling you, people 25 years ago, you were gonna get one in the back, your next at bat, without a doubt. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I saw guys get hit in high school baseball games when I was playing at Milford High School. So imagine 20 years before that. And I'm not saying it's right. I just, I don't know. It just depends on what you want out of the game. Do you want entertain entertainable moments? Entertainment moments? Entertaining moments? Or do you want a, a more, I don't know, natural version of the sport. I, I don't, again, I don't know. It's not, it's not for me to decide. I spent too much time worrying about it already. All right, then. Take us out. Pickle safe. Oh, wait, what? No, I did it wrong. I thought that was funny. It wasn't at all. Because, you know, in a pickle, you can be safe. Or you could be out.